Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This podcast is recorded on the stolen lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and I pay my respects to their elders past and present. I extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples listening here today. Sovereignty was never ceded. It always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Welcome to Reclaim Me. I'm your host, Madeline Heather. Reclaim Me is a true crime podcast told by those at the centre of those crimes, the victim survivors. The general public often hears stories of victim survivors through the lenses of perpetrators or the media, and we're changing that narrative here. These interviews are raw and honest, so a word of warning is necessary as discussion and topics may be triggering or distressing for some listeners, so please use your discretion. If you need help or support, please see the suggested resources in the show notes of this episode or contact your local crisis service. Hello and welcome to Reclaim Me. Today I'm going to be joined for a bit of a bonus episode to talk about Men's Health Week with Jake Lambert, who is the Senior Manager of Fundraising and Development at Movember. Welcome, Jake. Maddie, thanks so much for having me. Good to good to connect again. It is so good to connect. We were just having a bit of a chat um, before we clicked record because we actually knew each other growing up a bit. Yes, yeah, a, a little bit like ships in the night, I guess. But um, yeah, same same schools and all those sort of fun things. You've um, got a couple of years, or at least a year, on me. Um, but uh, yeah, there you go. It's amazing how how we can sort of connect in adult life. Sort of had a little bit of that um, of late, to be honest. A few um, guys from the school days working in in media, and even a person I went to high school with is now landed at Movember. It was a couple of years ago now, but. People that you sort of think maybe you you know won't have too much to do with or you might never see again and then they pop up in adult life but um no it's good and yeah super excited to be connected with you and to to be chatting chatting here yeah it is it's it's so actually fantastic to be connected on things like LinkedIn as well because you get to see some of the amazing things that some people are doing like and it's not to take anything away from somebody who becomes a tradie or anything but you know, to see somebody and not know what they did for university or what their interests or anything are and to see them, for example, with yourself doing work with Movember and about men's mental health, you know, I just saw that and I was like, that is so cool. <laughs> like I just thought it was just amazing to see somebody that I basically grew up around um, that I would see all of the time to be able to be impacting the community like that. I think it's nice too to sort of think of the people that were involved in your childhood and adolescence and growing up and those sort of things, maybe evolving past what they were or what you might have thought they were at the time. And um and yeah, obviously, um, you know, a lot of sort of my mates and crew and even people that I still see, I've still got a lot of close friends from 
high school and those sort of things, but they do sort of, you know, move into trades and stuff like that. But then every now and again, you see someone on LinkedIn and you go, wow, that's really cool, you know, that they're doing this and that in their chosen field. And I guess that, you know, we're sort of getting to the age now where people are, you know, in their jobs, being able to have a real impact um, in whatever industries they're in. So, yeah, you're definitely right that being able to, um, you know, see what people are up to and then um, when it does go full circle and, and you get to connect, it's always always a good opportunity. It really impacted me as well because we grew up in what I would say like a small suburban type town. Um, and I think because of that, what I grew up with was very rigid gender roles. And I think most of the community that we grew up with were quite rigid with their gender roles. And um, in saying things around that, you know, it was seemed very likely that, you know, the guys at the footy club or the cricket club, when I would go with my brother um, and family, it wasn't anything that we would talk about men's mental health. It wasn't an issue that would be raised. And I think seeing you come from that specifically and having my own personal connection to that, it felt really powerful because it feels like as well coming from an area where not many people speak about that yet. And it to see it kind of starting off is really cool. Yeah. And, you know, like you, you're definitely right. The the area that we grew up in is, I guess, you know, suburbia, but it's also metropolitan Melbourne and everyone <laughs> seems to know everyone, but it's such a still like geographically it's quite a large sort of place and it's a bit of its own sort of vortex, I think, in Melbourne. But, um, yeah, to I guess, you know, to, to think back to, you know, when we were going through, you know, VCE and those sort of things in 2009, 2010, 2011, that sort of stretch and, um, you know, the things that I now look back and think, gee, we probably should have been taught about this. We should have been able to, you know, speak about it. And, um, you know, that's only going back a little a touch over 10 years. And um, you think about what, you know, like our parents' vintage must have been like for them and, you know, all these sort of, you understand where some of these sort of stigmas develop from because, um, the old, um, every generation blames the one before sort of thing, like you um, and then sometimes after, depending on on who you speak to. But um, yeah, like it's, and I've, I think that's where in my role with Movember, which as you said, we'll sort of touch on, but that's where I see a lot of changes in, you know, like people around my father's age and, you know, coaches and those sort of things. And because if you can't react to people emotionally and if you don't have high levels of intelligence, you can't really, um, you know, you get siloed really quickly. Um, and I think, you know, again, you referenced footy and cricket, and I'm sure that I'll touch on that plenty of times throughout because that's um, definitely where a lot of my experiences are and, um, you know, right through to the AFL level. Like um, I know, you know, you being a big Collingwood um, fan as well, like you look at what Craig McRae is doing there and having those levels of empathy and listening and and being able to to relate to to younger people on their level, not sort of you've either sort of got two ways to go about it. You can embrace it and understand and do your best to to learn and impart the wisdoms that you have in ways that they can hear it, or you can put your walls up and um and just have no chance of a relationship or really getting through. So um yeah, that it's it's a little bit of a tangent um based on sort of where we started. But yeah, like a, a part of my role is that, you know, I get to go and speak to the communities that um that we weren't really being um, spoken to about some really important things and I think what's the most heartening is that you know young people they do get it a lot more um, and that sort of fills me with hope and then a bit of excitement that um, if our generation is sort of starting to get it and the one beneath us is is really in tune with it you know the future can look bright if we keep the same the same scaffolding in place. It's such a great way to kind of think it as well, not only about 
trying to heal and learn with what we've got here, but creating a space and infrastructure in the future, um, education wise. And I think so much of that is leading by example and creating a space where our community at this age and and older as well is able to impart that just by our general everyday actions without the education almost, you know, we don't have to Mm. um, right the wrongs in a way we can just have it as a standard normal practice. But Movember is awesome. You've got a good tash going on now. And I think most (laughs) people do know a little bit about Movember, but do you mind explaining what Movember really is? Yeah, of course. So um, November began back in 2003 um, and it was here in Melbourne that it all it all kicked off. A couple of mates um, were having a chat over a beer at a pub and wanted to, to um, you know, start a bit of a men's health movement, start those conversations that really weren't happening at all when it came um, to men's health. And um, from gathering 30 blokes, it's just grown in the last 20 years to be what is now um, a worldwide movement. And um, to operate in 20 countries around the world um, on the back of a moustache is, is pretty incredible and and some of the amazing work that's gone on um, into our three key cause areas of mental health and suicide prevention, prostate cancer and testicular cancer. Um, since the dawn of Movember, um, yeah, we're celebrating 20 years of impact this year and um, and and yeah, it's it's come a long way and it started in the prostate cancer space and and due to the community support um the peer-to-peer fundraising that goes on each and every year, we've been able to expand and and tackle really um, really key men's health issues because um, on average in Australia, we know that men die around four years earlier than women, um, but we also know that that's due to largely preventable reasons. And um, that's why we focus our areas, um, focus our energies into the cause areas we do. Um, and I don't want to bore people to death with stats, but um, we focus on mental health and suicide prevention because we lose um, six to seven Australian men every day on average to suicide. Um, prostate cancer, because we expect one in five Australian men to be diagnosed with prostate cancer by the time they're 85. And testicular cancer, because it's the most common cancer in young men. And um, as a big part of my role is is getting to have conversations with um, school groups and sporting clubs and even providing that education around testicular cancer that um, again, me being 30 years old, you know, when I was going through school, you know, 10, 15 years ago, even at uni, all those sorts of things. And I've grown up in sporting clubs that was never once discussed, you know, that that you're, you are the highest risk area of this sort of cancer. And the only way to beat it is to be really proactive about it and understand what's normal with your testicular health. And um, I'm I'm lucky that I get to go out and have these conversations. And as I said, it's all because of the the funds that people have raised in um in Australia and now around the world for Movember and trusting us to do to do the work that we do and we've definitely come a long way but um there is just so much more to do because those stats are what we face day to day um and and there is there is so much more to do but um as we sort of touched on we can sort of feel the conversation shifting but we need to need to continue to to make sure that um, that the guys that are here understand that there's nothing wrong with having conversations about their physical and their mental health. Yeah, absolutely. And it is so true that these things are so readily, like so available to be prevented, like just by simply educating people. I mean, even at school, we weren't really taught about breast checks and the same kind of thing. We need to be much better at having very real and frank conversations with people about things that could save their lives. Um, and that's where I see like the intersection of Movember and Reclaim Me is having that really key
key discussion around men's mental health and the issues that many men face. And sadly, one of the biggest barriers to male survivors coming forward, male survivors of adult sexual abuse, domestic violence, child sexual abuse, any of those types of things, is the stigma of friendships and shame. It is so shameful to be in any way abused. And that's something that so many people live with. And I just recently saw, I've completely blanked on his name. I'll have to, but basically her partner had done like a post and just said he's not been around for a while. He was incredibly harmful towards her. And it was all in light of, you know, coming to, um, I guess the acceptance of him being sexually abused as a child and his mental health then deteriorated and he was acting out in some ways that weren't just detrimental to himself and potentially self-harming and suiciding, but also to his family as well. Hi there, it's just Maddie from the editing room. I thought that I would just give a little bit of context to what I was trying to talk about here. I completely forgot the names of the people involved while we were doing the recording, so I thought I would just quickly clarify exactly what I meant. Norm and Jess are two people that were contestants on a TV series in Australia called The Block. They've since become somewhat public figures and they have a shared Instagram account. Now, on that shared Instagram account, Norm had made a statement. So he's posted a picture and done a comment about where he's been and what he's been up to. I will just read out one paragraph of that and I quote, I've been to a mental hospital for three weeks to sort my shit out. I was sexually abused as a kid at school. I haven't spoken about it because I was stupidly embarrassed or thought that there was something wrong with me, end quote. Now, I just wanted to add that in for a little bit of context uh, as we were having this discussion with Jake. Now, back to me in the real conversation. Somebody that's gone through something like that has now sadly had to live with that. And by a number of the barriers that we socially and societally face, has not accessed any help or support in any way. Yeah. And, um, you know, men can, can and, you know, are the, you know, can be the biggest to the biggest detriment of themselves and obviously the people around them. And, you know, when we are talking about trauma and, and abuse, you know, whether or not it does occur, you know, early in life or or more into adulthood, like it doesn't discriminate. And, yes, it obviously can affect different people in different ways and different experiences. But, um, you know, the impacts can be devastating and really long-lasting as well. And, you know, as you said, breaking down those barriers around why it is important to, you know, find the right people to talk to and to, be able to have those conversations to, you know, be the best version of yourself and be able to, um, you know, represent yourself really well and, and have these conversations and then, you know, show up for the people that that are there for you in the way that that you really want to. And, um, you know, unfortunately, we see a lot of guys who do hit that crisis point because of the shame and the stigma around having those, those conversations. And, um, yeah, that's where it all unravels and can all go really wrong. And, you know, they either find help when they've gone too far or or unfortunately some people um you know can go even further than that and not not find um the help they're after or 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 not get access to it and um so that's that's what we do at Movember is that we advocate for all men and we're providing education and um the opportunity to to find um to find help for people and to to find support networks and build that social scaffolding and also um, helping guys understand how to have proper conversations and and to go beyond banter and to to dig a little bit deeper and and to be able to go past the regular hey go and yeah fine and then just sort of move on and and talk about something that's sort of ineffectual to to what's really going on and um, yeah there's, there's there's some great tools out there that we've been able to 
been able to to produce and um, a, a tool like the Movember Conversations tool that you can go online and you can, um, it's like practicing having those awkward conversations and you get to plug in your responses and see how a mate who's struggling might go. And um, I mean, I know it's something that I've definitely used plenty of times, but yeah, the, you know, we hear a lot, you know, those buzzwords of, are you okay? Checking on your mates, all those sort of things, which are the right messages, but to be able to have those conversations is, is a whole nother level. And um, yeah, we know that, you know, there's a lot of work to do, but we can destigmatize um, a whole lot of things that that men face, and and obviously, um, trauma and abuse are, are, are right up there on that list too. Absolutely, and I love that kind of uh, saying, like going beyond banter, because it's so true. And I think it, you're exactly right having those tools there because it's so awkward sometimes. Like I have these quite awkward conversations on a daily basis. So it's not a skill that I was born with though. You do have some moments where you're dealing with somebody who's showing extreme emotions or who is saying things that you're not sure how to respond to or um, is experiencing things and you don't know where to refer them um, or you don't know what provide to help for them. So I think it's really important to know that as well, you don't have to know the answers, but what I find with doing this podcast so much is every time somebody shares their story for the first time and they post it on their social media or something, at least one of their friends will then disclose to them that something had happened to them too. And I think there's that ripple effect of when somebody is vulnerable around you or when somebody does something like that around you and gives you the permission almost to open mm. the door too. So by having these brave conversations, you know, maybe you think you're going to be a bit of a douche and, or, you know, the guys are going to make fun of you mm. or something, but I'm pretty sure most of them will probably be thinking the same thing. They just don't want to be the guy that does it. Yeah. And I mean, you know, from what we know is that that guys want to have these conversations and, you know, I will keep sort of speaking on, not on behalf of men, but about men, because that's the, that's the space that, that we play in. And we know that that men do want to have these conversations and that there is that yearning for more connection. And when given permission, you're exactly right. You know, that's when those conversations can flourish. And um, yeah, they, they can be awkward conversations to, to start. And um, you know, my advice would be to, to people out there, if you are a little bit worried about starting a conversation or, you know, be it that you're worried about a friend or, or you need to talk to someone um, it's just so important to, to go into that conversation and, and park, judgment um ted lasso i think says it best when he says be curious not judgmental and um you know to to go in without those barriers of yeah i'm going to judge this person just because it's sort of maybe a little bit further ingrained in us for some reason um that you know we want to judge and then we want to help and then we want to fix and some of that is just human nature and um more often than not that's not what's required um uh, you know something in some of my conversations is you know do you want solutions or do you need support um and you can just sort of reframe things and then straight away you know what that other person needs and and what you might be able to give them and a lot of the time that's just to listen and that's okay and that might be what that person needs in that time and in that space and then you can think about encouraging action and you can think about you know what steps do we have to take next here to to help you and to you know um, you know, to either do you need to seek further help? Has this conversation helped? Do it when, when I'm going to check in again in a day or a week's time, whatever that you know that individual relationship and conversation might be. And um, yeah, there is there is still still a lot to do and a lot to sort of change. But yeah, to be to know that guys are open to those conversations, and you know, I get to 
um, be involved in one of the programs we run alongside the Man Cave called um, called a Movember Speakeasy, and and I get to see these light bulb moments with guys when they realise that all these other people in the room um, are feeling the same as them and have the same you know top level insecurities and and have the same pressures going on, um, and you know we just need to get a little bit more comfortable with the fact that yeah a lot of people have got a lot of shit going on um and that we do um need to understand that we're not out here on our own and on an island um we're we're so in this together and and you're right people giving permission to start those conversations can definitely have that flow on effect and um and yeah the power of those conversations um just with a friend or with someone you trust or respect um can really go a long way yeah, and I really like what you said there about making it um, like reframing the discussion about what your role might be playing in that, whether it's a sounding board or whether it's somebody that's actively going to help try and find solutions because that can be the worst thing as well. I mean, when somebody's sitting there trying to give you advice or something and you're like, you don't fully understand the situation, I just want to kind of let it all out and talk about it. Um, and sometimes you just want validation as well, I guess, that what you're experiencing is shit. And to have somebody react to that and and share in that with you is really powerful and important. Um, but there are so many guys that I remember just growing up with and there was so much around even like eating disorders that I think of now where the whole focus was to be in the gym all of the time and being on steroids and trying to look a certain way and kind of some of those other pressures that are on men or the perceptions that men have that they have to be this all being person can be at the moment a really tough time to be a man and to know what masculinity is and um you know there's a lot of really poor examples of of people out there at the moment that preach a lot of unhealthy comments and and a lot of toxicity around that and um you know as you know you sort of flagged a, a few really good um you know spinning plates that guys have got to you know historically keep going and not talk about but it gets really difficult and um, you know, there is a lot of pressures around family and then work and then fitness. And, you know, like you sort of, I guess, maybe brought up in these with these stereotypes, it have to be everything to everyone. And, you know, if you can't hack it, then you're not a man. And if you can't do all these things that, are, you know, another generation's stereotypes, um, then, then yeah, then, then you aren't a man. And, um, and yeah, to, to, uh, with our, through what we get to do at Movember, you know, to to open the doors to the support that are around and to work in that prevention space um, when it comes to to mental health and then suicide prevention is, you know, to to arm people with the tools that are needed. And then so we want to reduce the amount of guys who reach the crisis point. And, um, you know, obviously organisations like Lifeline and Beyond Blue, they do really important crisis work. But where we work in what we sort of call the men's health pyramid is down that really bottom part and like arming guys through the power of connection and community and conversation, um, even in workplaces as well, right? We do a lot of, um, you know, programs and conversations in workplaces that, um, you know, allow an environment that over the journey is is changing um, and is able to have that power and connection of community, which is something that I believe in so holistically is, is the power of connection through community and, community looks like a lot of different things to a lot of different people and yeah to un to help guys understand the support that's that's around them and that the old school ideas of what masculinity is and what it means to be a man um don't define our current generation and should never define um people again 
It's definitely a privilege, and it's 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 certainly something that that isn't lost on me and my you know the the small role that I get to play within that. But um, the reach that we can have at Movember um, means that we can shape the now and then also keep shaping the future as well. Yeah. And I think that's just such an amazing mindset to have. And I couldn't agree more. I think community is the foundation for all of this wonderful growth for all individuals. And just, yeah, I think that's where I I started the Survivor Support Network as well. You know, there's something in community that nothing else can give you. But I feel like, yeah, we've spoken a lot about men's health and I feel like maybe there's been an undertone of the standard man um, or, you know, the, the sporty guy or the not, you know, what I mean, the jock type maybe or the... You know, and I, I, I kind of reflect back on even my time at school where one of the kids left playing, I think it was footy or something, and and started um, activities that were in the arts and was bullied for it pretty badly as well. It was horrible. Um, and I think that we've got that standard idea of masculinity, but then you've got what happens if you sit outside of that originally anyway. Like, does Movember do much to support, I guess, is it all ideals of different people or, or how do you navigate kind of having those conversations as well? Yeah, it's um so so much of the work we do, particularly with youth, I guess obviously, you know, where we sort of see these problems is um, you know, getting getting young guys to understand that everyone's journey is different and that, you know, what you might enjoy or you might find um, you know, cool or important, whatever. And um, you know, trying to, and again, I think, you know, so often we're the product of our environment, right? And you get these young guys who go to school and maybe things aren't so great for them. So, and if they're bigger or pop, more popular, whatever, they then, you know, it just rolls through a food chain of sorts, um, you know, which is certainly, you know, not fair. But I've got to sit in on some amazing programs with school kids and like I, I can still really take myself back to those school days and um, and, you know, there is that. I guess make believe hierarchy of of who's important and why they're important and and clear reasons why other people aren't as important and um you know it's definitely like quite cringy right to think back that you're in that space and and there is a lot of it that is just youth and you know not having that life experience and thinking that this dome that school is in is the most important thing in the world and um but yeah to be able to sit in some classrooms that I've been lucky enough to sit into and um see these light bulb moments on these young guys face that you know that can often lead to tears and you know like the leaders within the groups shifting from a a toxic leader um to being someone of real influence and and understanding that you know the person that they've chosen or the group of people that they've chosen to to um you know to put down or to to be there um to be their prey, probably for the want of a better term. Yeah, it's it again. I'll, I'll probably keep referring back to how much hope that the next sort of generation, through some of my experiences, have given me. And um, I know that a lot of the programs that that we get to do in the sessions are not just like a, a one and done sort of thing. It's like, oh, you have this big epiphany moment, then the next day you've gone home, you've gone to sleep, and the same thing are going on outside for your life. So you then come and and pay that backwards, not pay it forwards. Um, that and you get you know and then then the cycle continues and you know I mean I couldn't speak more highly of of the school programs that that the man cave do um, and you know breaking down those stigmas in boys and getting them to understand um, that you know everyone's got their stuff that's going on and um, and that yeah like footy and sport and all those sort of things and being active are great and they've definitely got 
you know, so many positives, but it doesn't make you a better person and it doesn't make you, um, you know, more important than someone else. And I think that um, we've got some really good role models in that space. And, um, you know, the the sports star is so much more available now more than ever. And, I mean, I guess like we all are with social media, but, you know, I look at guys like Travis Boak and, you know, the, all the work that, um, Richmond have done with the resilience project and all those sort of different things as we've already spoke about Craig McRae and this is obviously only in the AFL landscape but um, you know those guys who are committed to being more than an athlete and not just um, you know portraying old stereotypes and then thinking that because yeah we're in the mid-2000s like when I was going through school I was never going to be one but all I wanted to be was an AFL footballer and I thought that yeah if I walk around with a water bottle and you know all my mates and we all are in a big group because that's what a team is and this is what we do and you know you you're not and I mean I can again speak from my own experience I wasn't there to make anyone else's life hard but that image um it made me feel safe and I'm assuming yeah. the group of my mates as well but you know even if individually we're we're all you know pretty reputable guys and you know we weren't necessarily doing anything overly harmful but you know, that sort of pack mentality and and those sort of things that, um, you know, we, that we were, I guess, on some cases, you know, um, portraying consciously and others subconsciously that, um, that, yeah, we need to keep pivoting away from, from some of those things. And, um, and, and yeah, that, that, as I've sort of said, that future generation is, is one that we do a lot of work with and that, um, you know, every individual is, you know, deserves respect and, um, and yeah, there's, there is still problems in that space. And, um, I know that, you know, again, speaking from my own experience, I was pretty bit lucky or whatever. I got to sort of fit into a crowd and was, you know, never overly ostracized, but never, you know, doing any of the ostracizing and just sort of was in the middle somewhere and, you know, was happy doing that and, you know, felt like everyone sort of had their day at either end a little bit in in the sort of circles that I rolled in. But, again, we sort of put it down to banter and masculinity and, you know, today's your day to be shit on, but tomorrow you're our best mate and we'll go do it to someone else. Like, and, you know, that's what friendship was. But, yeah, being able to to develop past that and, um, and again, understand what's going on in other people's lives and how you can, how you can support that and, um, sometimes, especially in in the schoolyard, supporting that is not shitting on someone, is not putting them down and not giving them a hard time um, because you don't have to be best mates with everyone. But there is that element of, well, yeah, I don't have to go around and, and make this person's life really hard or, you know, add something else to their plate because, yeah, there's, there's always – everyone's always got stuff going on behind closed doors and we all think we're the main character in the story. But, um, you know, that's – not necessarily the case when we're, when we're out there in the world. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? 
Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Yeah, 100%. And things change so much, don't they, after you leave school? Like some some things like that routine and the community, you know, can be wonderful. And then others, it's just so insular as well. But I think it's really important, and especially we're recording this in June, it's Pride Month as well. And I think that sadly, like our our kind of group, well, I didn't know anybody really that was gay at school. I mean, other than one person I think was openly not straight. Since we left school, everybody's come out to me. I identify as uh, queer in some capacity as well. So I think it's like once you've left that insular environment, and it was a primarily white school as well, we'll be honest, it was a very... Mm-hmm not diverse area. (laughs) But I think as well, like what I I love about these conversations and potentially moving forward in terms of respect and stuff, it's the the flow on effects that it can bring forward. You know, like I hope in the next year or two that we'll be able to see some queer footballers and cricketers coming out. And whether that be because they, they were obviously always there, but maybe it's because somebody who openly identifies as being queer from an early age has the foundations and the safety to actually actively participate in sports that they want to rather than feeling ostracized by you know what the typical man is or whether that is because somebody is gay and they don't have to be closeted anymore and I think that's the community aspect as well when we all raise our level up then everyone else around us can be themselves more and more and the second thing to that I guess is referring to male violence and sadly how much the impact of male violence has. And I never want to discount that men have gone through traumas and I'm not here to blame all men or anything like that, but it's saying that male violence is a problem. And sadly, you know, the the ye old footballer of the early 2000s was also incredibly famous, well-paid, and 
you know, I went from 17, 18 at high school to being one of the biggest stars, especially in Victoria. Um, and that with that kind of level of notoriety and stuff comes with it levels, I guess, of audacity, maybe we mm. could say. Yeah. Um, and I think that leads to a lot of perpetration of sexual violence and misconduct and things like that as well. So by having them changing those community attitudes and being able to have these very real conversations, bringing people down to earth almost, I think we're going to do a lot of prevention without even trying. Yeah, how, I mean, how could you not think you were the greatest thing since sliced bread if all you've been told since you were 14 and 15 is you're the greatest thing since sliced bread because you're good at a sport? Um, And, yeah, I think that, you know, to touch on community and to be able to have environments where it's it's safe and encouraged to be yourself um, is that's what community is, right? That's what it it needs to be and you know the 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 tension that sort of can still exist in in junior sport um in particular that i've sort of um you know seen over the journey and you know remembering back to you know the pressure that was put on by parents and all those sorts of things and like i've seen kids that you know into adulthood who you know i swear that when we were 12 or 13 would be afl players and because their parents would tell you how good they were and they had to be doing this this and the other and by the time they can make their own decisions they stop playing because they're not doing it for the right reasons and you know to be able to be yourself in whatever environment um that you feel like being in um is is so powerful but it's also like it should just be a standard practice um it's it obviously has taken a lot of work and that's probably a shame in itself but i think that organizations and community groups that you know if they do exist that still preach some of those old school um you know mentalities that then you know i just don't think that they'll resonate with 95 percent of kids and and families that that are out there today and um one of the programs that we do run at november and we've just sort of launched a partnership with the afl is called ahead of the game and it's a it's a mental health literacy program that um, for junior sporting clubs, and it's divided into three sessions, um, one with the participants on their own, so the junior players, um, one with the coaches in particular, and then one with the parents in particular, and providing that mental health literacy right across the board and helping parents understand because teenagers don't, the typical teenager won't talk to their parents about what's going wrong and they won't, you know, like open up about you know, what sort of pressures they're under and some of that is just, teenagers being teenagers but um to help parents understand you know what pressures they're likely feeling what's actually going on in the schoolyard and having some of those conversations and then and also helping kids understand that but then from that coaching point of view understanding that like yeah everyone's a volunteer and those things and winning is great and all those sorts of things but like again speaking of my own experience is that footy and cricket coaches when you're 14 and 15 and PE teachers are the greatest role models you have and like all you want to do is either impress these people or be like these people and um you know to to have people like that who have high levels of emotional intelligence and um and can provide a safe environment which isn't just skewed on if you're the best at something or if you can kick a ball or catch a ball or throw a ball or um run the fastest whatever sport or you know hobby you find yourself in to be able to to be there in person um is and be yourself is 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 so important and i think that yeah those those role models in society they need to be like um celebrated and they need to be you know looked after and i think that you know with pay gaps in teaching and those sorts of things right you want to 
I've always, you know, sort of thought that like, I mean, my mum was a teacher when we were growing up and it's like, yeah, this is a really important job. Um, and it's so hard to stay in for a long period of time for, you know, pay and, you know, a whole myriad of different reasons. And, and those people are the ones that we need guiding that next generation and doing that daily. And I like, I can name the best five teachers I had, you know, like that and the impact that they had on me, but you know, over the school journey, like obviously primary school, you're sort of a bit more sheltered, but, you know, you have tens of, you know, probably almost 100 teachers across your your journey. And, yeah, to to think that you can sort of name the ones that had that real lasting impact. Um, and I'm sure that, you know, the ones who didn't aren't trying not to, but, you know, they, they're teaching outdated curriculums and all those sorts of things that, um, you know, aren't really resonating with students and then kids putting their energies into other things that, um that yeah, probably don't um, probably don't help society and and those sorts of things. They're um, yeah, just looking for, for other things to to sort of do and and to get into. And um, yeah, it's it's so important that those role models are, are are celebrated and educated to the point of you know, hey, I've got this impact over these young people, and and I can make a real difference. And set the standard as well. Like I don't think that we would have done, or I don't recall doing any mental health education I don't think I did we did really any I mean I did science as well and even as we were learning about the body and how it worked and PE I don't even think that we really did anything to do with physical health other than what it would be like as an athlete I can't I can't I just don't really think like as much as I reflect back on my school time as well I definitely do have the same thing and I was re- reflecting recently as well, saying the school that we went to was actually so good because I got to do auto and I did electrics and I learned some really cool practical skills. But one of the things that yeah, we we haven't taught, which gives me as well so much hope for the future, is any of this around consent or other than putting a condom on a bloody banana <laughs> one time in the auditorium, um, like that was the the extent of sex ed. And then, yeah, there's nothing really around making sure your physical health is intact, the signs of that something might be going wrong, how to check yourself, and also any discussions about mental health. Did you have any of those? No, and even, you know, like through the sporting clubs and stuff, like, again, you've got this captive audience that needs to hear this sort of stuff, and it just it just wasn't as prevalent and, you know, it does sort of make me feel a bit old when I talk about, you know, 10, 15 years ago when I was at school, all this sort of stuff, but yeah, the reality is that it just wasn't it wasn't around, and you know, and again, if that was coming from a generation that didn't want to talk about it, so we didn't get to experience it, and all those sorts of things, and that you know, you go to school and then you either start working straight away, or you go to uni and then you start working straight away, and it's like life doesn't have to be this stage by stage by stage where you don't get to relax a little bit and enjoy yourself and find. Um, you know, who you are and what else you're good at and, you know, break moulds around because, you know, like there's no way I could, you know, knowing myself at 16, 17, even 18, you know, like speak about this sort of stuff to my peers. And um, and now I get to, you know, I go into schools and, you know, sporting clubs and even at my own sporting clubs, I'll talk about all this stuff really openly because um, I know the impact it can have and I know that, you know, um, like I don't really care what, people think about me because I'm lucky enough that I've done enough work on myself and that I've got a really good support network around me that I know who I am and I know what I stand for and I know what my values are. And um, that's not to say that, you know, I won't ever make mistakes or anything like that, but 
um, that, you know, these sort of social scaffolds hold me in really good stead. And, um, and yeah, that I sort of think, well, yeah, what a missed opportunity it was for the 13 years that I had to be in a place um, with no freedom, with strict times, with, you know, all these little things that just really shouldn't have mattered, um, you know, being, you know, enforced. Um, and, you know, that's not to say that we weren't lucky to, you know, go to a really nice school and have all the things we needed and all those sorts of things. But, yeah, you have such a captive audience. Um, why not, you know, incorporate um, a part of their day to be around well-being and mindfulness and physical health and understanding all those important things like consent and those things that you need to have in your life moving forward as an adult and things like doing tax and all those sorts of things. Like, And <laughs> the fact that auto was an elective that I did for half of a half of a year for one year of my 13 years and it's like I could have saved myself so much money in the future if I knew how to do so many different things to cars and and those sort of things and even food tech like I'd love to be able to you know know more about cooking and not have to try and learn and all those sorts of things like I could have done all of that at school and then in turn had a much more peaceful experience at school by doing things that I you know probably didn't know would serve me overly well moving forward but actually would because you know, you talk about science and all those sort of things. Like, I don't think about any of, like, there's a level of general knowledge that I have from the things I learned. But, you know, all the maths that I stressed about in year 11 and year 12, like, my where I've gone in life and where I was always going to go in life didn't didn't need to feature those things. So no. I think that, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that schools are putting more time into it. And so many schools have a well-being coordinator. And again, but they've, you know, again, we're talking about, understaffed and so many students and all these sorts of things is that um you know the, there's definitely best intentions there and in growing those sort of um those resources that are available to kids um but yeah getting them to tap into them and then also having the resources to support them is is so important yeah we really undervalue young people's experiences i think as well like everything that you've got going on when you're that age, when you're a young person, I feel is so much more amplified. Not only are you going through puberty, but you're in this insular microcosm of society at school. You've got so much that's potentially going on in terms of your own social status, for example. Um, but then you've also got the additional stresses of things like VCE. And I just reflect on that as well about how normal it was to be struggling mentally during that period. Like it, the kind of attitude from teachers at that time was like, just get through it. Or, mm. you know, one of the girls is out the front bawling her eyes out. I've had, there was another guy that fainted during like the exams. There was people that were like completely burnt out because this was, you know, supposed to be the rest of their lives dedicated to this one test and it was mm. everything. But like, even within that, we just normalized how damaging that all was. And we weren't given any tools or skills to then move forward with it. And I think when you went to university, it almost became really different, at least for me, because well-being was was channeled so much there and you were able to kind of talk to your lecturer and say, I've actually got a lot going on at home at the moment. Is there anything that I can do to have some extensions? You actually are able to critically think and utilise your skill sets in a different way. But I just think, you know, I, I'm, I'm so glad to hear things like wellbeing coordinators and stuff are there and that this education is readily available via social media, which wasn't there when we were in mm. high school. Yeah, and, you know, like we used to sort of have to wear busy and stressed as a badge of honour, right? And it used to have yeah. to be, you know, like 
you have to be this. And even, you know, workplaces are the same, right? And I guess there's a little bit more of a trade-off there is because people do get paid and some people get paid really well to, you know, perform certain roles. But, you know, that's not to say that that then makes someone immune from, you know, burnout and stresses at home. And as we spoke about all those spinning plates, and that's not just a male thing, um, that, you know, you wear a lot of different hats in life and some of them you need to wear and that, you know, they make you who you are. And then um, other things, you know, sort of, come and stress you out for a short time or but yeah like I guess you know having some real examples of my life you know with my parents both retiring and being like yeah I remember you know dad working a heap and you know and then mum trying to be a teacher while having three kids who were at school who didn't want to go to school and like dealing with that all the time and all those sorts of things and then having some real examples in my life of them you know moving past that and evolving past that and again worked very hard for a very long time but yeah, I've sort of made the decision in my mind that, and again, I'm you know absolutely lucky that I've had the education that I have and that I, I work for the organisation I do where wellbeing and flexibility and priorities are really um, are really held in in high esteem and that we we do our best not to wear busy and burned out as a badge of honour. Is that you know I want to enjoy work and I want to be able to go to cricket and footy training at a certain time and, you know, um, not sit in traffic just for the sake of sitting in traffic because everyone's done it forever. And, um, and yeah, I know there are a lot of organisations out there that that are similar. Um, and, yeah, it's just important to, to see people as people and not, um, you know, just um, – and that's where the best organisations, you know, thrive and come to the fore when you've got that, that trust and responsibility and flexibility to – to again be yourself in a high performance environment um and you know have the balance and and happiness um above all else absolutely um and i i really mirror that with the organization i'm with currently as well you know we're all uh, sadly pretty much losing our jobs we've got a lot of contracts coming to the end but the overwhelming messaging from each individual person is just that it's so sad to leave such a wonderful place where well-being is championed so much you know, I manage a team at the moment and if one of them's sick or feeling unwell, they can just say, I just need a day and I'm fine with that. Mm. The work can always do be done tomorrow. I mean, we're not heart surgeons that need to be there at that exact time. And it's not to say that the work isn't important, but if you can't do it, you know, then that's, we're creating a deficit downstream if you think about it just from a work perspective. But it's also just like I want people to feel comfortable and happy at work. I don't want them to – I want people to laugh every day. I don't want to create an environment where I'm working people into the ground for for nothing because you're never going to achieve the finality, I don't feel, as well, which is why the well-being needs to be so – it needs to be present everywhere. And I think it's the first organisation I've worked in where it doesn't feel tokenistic where it's not like we'll do, you know, a little morning tea but then go back and you're expected to work overtime. It's like sometimes you might have to do overtime, but we completely expect you to take that time back as a half day or something like that and we work with you on that. I think that's really, really cool. What can we do? Um, I wanted to talk to you about two other things. One of them is um, Men's Health Week, which is why we're having this discussion now. It's a, it's a moment in time in June. Um, can you talk about what what Men's Health Week is and what's what's really um, Movember's role in Men's Health Week? What are we doing for it? Yeah, so International Men's Health Week, June twelve to eighteen. It's a it's a bit of a, a chance, um, you know. I see it, and Movember, you know, we're we're reinforcing health messages. We're reinforcing healthy behaviours. We're um, using it as a as a time to to start those conversations 
probably both internally and externally in terms of how am I doing? What do I need to do? You know, we're already at the midpoint of the year, which, I mean, time doesn't seem to be getting any slower, does it? These, you know, months and weeks and then even years sometimes just feel like they fly by. And, you know, it sort of comes at that time where it's like, right, you know, we're halfway through the year already. How am I doing? Um, Am I, from a, a physical and a mental point of view, have I gone and had a conversation with the GP? Have I checked in with the mate that I might be worried about? Um, you know, am I having the conversations that I that I want to have? Am I surrounding myself with the people that are enabling to be my best self? And um, and yeah, it's it, it's that moment in time that um, that can remind us of that. And um, I think that you know we and I don't want to reference Twitter because it can be an absolute shocking place, but. You know, so often, you know, like there's messages out there that are, you know, oh, well, when's men's when's men's day, men's health day, and this sort of thing. Like this is that moment in time. This is the time where we need to take a breath, reflect on what we've, you know, on what's got us to this point, and then what we can do going forward to to open up those channels for those conversations. And for some guys, it's just ringing a mate or a family member, um, and for other people, um, it. It's about having a conversation with a medical professional, and um, yeah, it's 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 a big moment in time in the year, um, and obviously, you know, probably pretty strategically, it falls at that halfway point where it's a really good time to stop, take stock, and then prepare for for the second half of the year, which it only sort of ramps up with more pressures and um, things and social energy to spend, um, and um, yeah, it's a. But from from a November perspective, it's it's a great time to, um, you know, not only just take the stock of, of of what we want our community to do, but talk about our impact as well, um, and the things that we've been able to do, and the programs we've been able to run, and the the biomedical research we've been able to fund, and the networks we've been able to build with prostate and testicular cancer survivors, and and then reinforce those those health messages that. Um, that we do need guys to be prioritizing their physical and their mental health. Yeah, I think that's a it's a really wonderful point in time, and it is it is during Pride Week as well. And I think there's something in that as well uh, around men's health and just around the support that we can create through community too. So I think that's a really wonderful aspect, and I think that's just something for all people as well. Like you said, I'm sometimes sadly you say something about feminism or domestic violence against women. And there are those statements and this is a place I think to talk about men's health. And I, I try to make this podcast as intersectional as possible because everybody needs to hear these messages mm-hmm. and it doesn't mean that they can't apply to everybody, but having the discussion specifically towards men, I think is a really wonderful place to start. We need to do it. Um, and I'm so glad to see people like yourself having these conversations in the spaces that you are. I think it's a really powerful message. Um, but the set, the last point that I wanted to talk to you about was um, what can we do in terms of prevention? I guess we talk about a lot about the proactive strategies, which are prevention based as well. But I guess as individuals, what can we do? Yeah, you know, it's about understanding how to have the conversations. Right, we've some people are so much more supported than others, right? But um, you know, to be able to be that person that um, can talk about their own well-being and ask about how someone else is going and um you know I sort of talked about you know um listening without judgment a little bit earlier and um the team at are you okay developed um a, a simple but effective conversational framework that um is the, the Alec framework and you know it feels like we're back in school but 
A is to ask the question. L is to, to listen without judgment or distraction. Um, e is to then encourage action. And then C is to find a time to check in later. And, um, yeah, to listen without judgment and distraction would be the biggest piece of advice that I could give anyone who feels like they need to check in on a mate but doesn't know how to you know, start that conversation or how to act in that conversation and, um, yeah, giving yourself the chance to open up those conversations if you need to speak as well or if um and you know i mean the work that so many medical professionals do um in this space and i guess you know again breaking down some stigmas and and barriers around that is that um you know it doesn't always just work the first time um and that can put a lot of people off as well is that it's not just you know, you go in, you have a conversation with someone and the weight of the world's off your shoulders. Sometimes it works and that's great. But knowing that sometimes you sort of do have to persevere and, um, you know, find that right person that you will click with and can can hold you in, in good stead as well um, can be really important. So, um, yeah, from a preventative point of view, I'd, I would just say, you know, reach out to your friends and have those conversations and ask people how they're really going and, and give them that space to, to have those conversations and do it with, you know, do your absolute level best to not try and get in there and, and fix all their problems because most of the time it's not what we need. As you sort of touched on earlier, we just need someone who's willing to to, to listen and then sometimes just, just sit in the shit with us. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we've, we can all think of a time when we've needed that ourselves where we've not had an outlet where, Things have gotten too much. Um, and I think one of the things I hear a lot from different victim survivors or basically most people that I talk to with these quite intense conversations is that they feel like a burden. And I feel mm. like if you're the one then that is actually reaching out and seeking people to say, like, you know, I'm somebody that's here for you, I'm creating that, removes that also in a dialogue many of us have where we feel like we're going to be bringing somebody down by telling them how we're feeling or you know, maybe I won't tell them right now because of these different reasons. It's too much right now. I'll wait until it gets a little bit better. Um, and I think that's a really wonderful way to look at it as well as you're, you're breaking down the initial barrier, you're opening the door, you're creating the space. I think that's a really powerful tool. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Um, was there anything else that you wanted to go over before we wrap up? Um, look, not, not overly, to be honest. Um, just wanted to to say thanks for, um, you know, shining a light on, on men's health, you know, during um and upcoming to to men's health week um i think that you know the platform and the community that that you've built um you know does so much good and that you know there's so much to um you know so much to communities we've sort of discussed throughout and that it does look really different to everyone but um i guess too if you happen to find yourself listening to this is that you've got people who are willing to have the conversation i think you've got two people right here that would um but you've also you know you've got a community and a network around you and um you know we'll reference that movember.com slash get support there's a whole range of support services that i know will be made readily available and and that you know when we do touch on some of the topics that we've spoken about tonight um it's not always the most comfortable and um and sometimes they do bring up emotions reactions and, and memories of people and places and all those sorts of things and you know, even for us, I think talking about school and putting ourselves back visually in some of those those situations, um, it's, they're not always the most comfortable things to even hear or think or talk about. And, um, you know, at movember.com slash get support, it's, there's this whole range of support services, services that are available, be you rural or 
you need to talk to someone on the phone or in person or um, via the internet or whatever it is, um, even just to familiarise yourself um, with what's available for if there is a rainy day or a friend reaches out in need of support. Um, yeah, I couldn't recommend anyone to to familiarise yourself with what's available there um, anymore. Absolutely. Um, and in the show notes of this episode, I will be linking all of the resources that we've discussed as well. So there's an easy way for everybody to access it, including that link that you just mentioned then. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Reach out to somebody or if you're feeling safe and comfortable to do so, make sure that you open the door for someone as well. But thank you, Jake, so much. Um, I really admire the work that you're doing and it's so wonderful to connect again. No worries, Maddie. Thank you so much for, for helping us spread the message. Cheers. And thank you for listening to Reclaim Me. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you do need help or support, please reach out to those crisis services or suggested resources in the show notes for this episode. Have a look after yourself and make sure that you're doing and taking the time that you need to process the information or to process anything that may have come up that was triggering for you. Lastly, I do have one ask. Can you please take the time to rate and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and any platform that you listen to Reclaim Me on? This helps tremendously with me reaching additional people and making sure that we get the word out there that there is no shame or stigma that should be associated with being a victim of these crimes. If you could also share this podcast with somebody you may know, as you may not be a survivor yourself, but you sure as hell know one. Thank you again. Bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs>